Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to yet another episode of the Good Life Radio Podcast. Today, the 13th day of February, 2015, broadcasting to you live from the greatest city in the world, freezing New York City. The phone number is always 607-203-5330. At one time, today's guest was one of the most highly recruited high school players of all time. He was the LeBron James of football before the internet started rating kids in the sixth grade. His father has been scrutinized and praised for how he brought up the quote-unquote robo-quarterback. Today's guest had to fight through unrealistic and unprecedented goals and expectations. He battled critics and, more importantly, addiction. And you know what? In the long run, he came out on top. His journey, I find beyond fascinating, and I guess ESPN agreed with me because they did an amazing 30 for 30 documentary on him. He won a Rose Bowl as a freshman at USC, started for the Los Angeles Raiders, and sadly, his fall from glory happened in the public eye. So let me introduce a name every single sports fan knows. I'm proud to introduce him sober, Todd Baranovich. Todd, you there, we brother? How are you? Hey, Todd, you there, bro? I am. Hey, bro. Can you Thank hear me? You so much for giving me some. Yeah, I can hear you, bro. Thank you so much for giving me some of your time, man. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm well. Right, doing Todd, well. Thanks for having me on. Even, yeah, before we even bring up football or anything, how's your recovery going? I know you battled with addiction. How's your recovery going? Recovery and, and addiction is a bitch, and it can uh, it can no doubt bite you at any moment, and so. Um, I'm keeping my guard up, and things are, uh, you know, some days are better than others. But um, mm-hmm. my ki- my kids keep me busy, and 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 also my my job, which is doing my art. So I'm uh, my life is full, which is which is I'm very very grateful for that. Yeah, you can't stay bored. I deal with addiction firsthand in my family. So when I watched your documentary, it it touched me. Forget about the sports aspect, which everyone cares more about, but the addiction part was the part that truly grasped me and how your ups and downs and we'll get through with this. So I'm just actually glad you're sober right now. Okay, before we get into the football aspect of it, what are you up to now? I know you mentioned your artwork. I know what you're doing. So explain to the audience what you're up to right now. I've been, uh, for the last five years, just painting and um, sculpture and just doing uh, artwork. And you can check it out on my website. ToddMarinovich.com, and um, it's been a, really a dream job. I thought I had a pretty cool job prior playing football, <laughs> but this this beats it hands down. Now, Todd, I get to play with paint. <laughs> I find it, so I want to use the right word, I guess strange to go from one spectrum to the other. A big, bad football player in L.A., the Oakland Raiders, the big, bad Raiders, to art. Is there any similarities or any comparison to the both of them? I, I don't think there is, but obviously you played parts in both of them. So is there any similarities to them? Yeah, and it's all um, on dependent upon that person and if uh, he perceives that to be a, just an expression um, of himself out on the field. And, of course, I you know I, that's the way I see things. And, um I, I loved the game of football. There was uh, some really um, 
unbelievable moments that, and journeys that I had through that game. And, um, and the thing about it is every every game, every Saturday, every Sunday is almost like a lifetime. The emotions now, Todd, you feel are just any story. given day. Yeah. What's that? Now, I'm, I'm very familiar with your story. I've read a million articles on you. Obviously, ESPN did the 30 for 30 for you. And before we get into that, were you happy with the way the 30 for 30 came out? The Maradovich sure. Were you, were you happy with the, the documentary, how it, how it portrayed you? Yeah, it was it was definitely, they did a great, you know, I was stoked on it. They did a great job. And it was um, really changed a big part of the public's perception almost instantaneously, which I felt uh, immediately. Now, okay, so everyone listening, you were basically groomed to be a quarterback coming up. So there's rumors of a strict diet. Some of them have to be exaggerated, but we're going to get into that. There's a strict diet of frozen lima beans, no fast food, no sugar or cake, um, miles and miles of running, a a crazy training regimen growing up just so your dad can make you into the quarterback. Was that true? Was your upbringing as strict as it was portrayed? It was... um pretty darn strict. Um, <laughs> some of it was um, blown up a little bit. Like, I've never had a Big Mac. That was false. Um, okay. I didn't. I just didn't eat them because I didn't like them. That was the funny part. But anyway, um, yeah, it was, it was strict. And, and um, that was one thing that I did uh, do was put, spend the time and put in the time. And that, that's one thing I tell, you know, kids, whatever you decide to do, there's, there's just no way around not putting the time in. And if you, uh, if you do that and have some passion about it, good things happen. Now, like I said, you were basically bred to be a quarterback as an early age. Did you enjoy it? You hear so many stories about prodigies like tennis players, Andre Agassi, Sampras. They were basically quote unquote forced to be a tennis player. I'm not saying you were forced to be a football player, but did you enjoy growing up, even though it was very strict? Oh, for sure. And um, my outlet was recess or sports, and I played all. It wasn't just football. I played, uh, yeah. you know, base, all three: baseball, basketball, and football. And so um, that was enjoyable for sure. I, uh, uh, I think you know, youth sports are an important part of our community for sure. Todd, I love the fact, you know, I tell people, I was excited about interviewing you, you know, you're, everyone, every sports fan knows you, and everyone's like, it's funny, once you say your name, all oh, that kid never had a big, the perception of you that you never had one piece of, you never had one carb in your life, or one grain of sugar, it's so exaggerated, it's, it's actually kind of comical how people, how the media runs with a story and just keeps going and going and going with it, isn't it? Oh, tell me about it, it's just snowballed. <laughs> into really something that uh, I was not, really. Now, uh, there's nothing new or special about being nowadays ranked in the 5th, 6th, 7th, or 8th grade. You know, USC, uh, David Sill signed at 13 with USC. It's safe to say you were one of the first, let's say, 7th or 8th graders who was really known nationally. How at 12, 13 years old, how do you even handle that, that stories are being written about you and you're being recruited in eighth grade. And that was before now where it's like the end thing to do. How do you even cope with that kind of pressure? Um, you know, the added pressure is really um, 
it, I just learned to not say get used to it, but it was just part of the deal. And, um, but the great thing about the game and really all great sports is that everything just fades away once the, once you step out on the court or the field or what have you, it's uh, magical. You go to Matadei High School, which is like a national powerhouse. You start as a freshman, unheard of, um, and you're dominating. Now, the media starts running. I guess is this when the media started with the whole ionic quarterback and robo-quarterback label, and it made your father, Marv, seem like, like basically like a scientist that he was like creating you. Was that tough at, again, that young age to hear that stuff about your dad and all that media attention? Yeah, it was definitely um, nothing that I was expecting to go through for sure. <laughs> it was um, it, it 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 is what it is, and uh, at that you know at that time being young and not really knowing how to handle the media, um, it was it was an experience to say the least. What story is the most exaggerated about your youth? Because hmm. you be, you became you're kind of like an urban legend when people hear these random. So what is the most exaggerated story that just makes you laugh? Like, come on, like is that even possible to be real? <laughs> oh, there's been a few, but uh, I'm not sure. There, there's you know, there's all there's truth in all of them, but. Oh. <laughs> Summer's summer stretch. Okay, now we went back to your strict diet. You transfer out of the powerhouse high school. Is this where you started experimenting more as a sophomore and a junior with alcohol and drugs, or not? Not really. Uh, you know, it started really uh, at in high school, and okay. it really started my freshman year because when you're playing, you know, with older guys. What do they do after the game? They all go out to a keg party. And so I was introduced at 15 to that. And I really was just wanted to be one of the boys. <laughs> and it was enjoyable. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm so glad you're so honest with that, with all that stuff. Now, you weren't an average high school player. You broke the all-time passing record, number one recruit. Was going to USC just a formality? Did any other school even have a, a chance of getting you? Stanford had almost had me. Why is that? I felt uh, close, in a sense, to Stanford and just the fact that they had been recruiting me for the longest, for four years, since my freshman year. Okay. And then... Jack Elway was the coach, and they threw the heck out of the ball, and they and it would have been fun, and they were appealing to my art interest to be an art major, and so it was really uh, appealing to the point where I told Jack Elway that he said, on a scale of one to five, five signing with us, where where are we at with you? And I said a four. I just have to take one more trip. It's I said, promise the family I'd take a trip to SC. Okay. And that was and that was it. What After convinced you now to go to USC? I didn't want to get beat by USC every year if I went to Stanford. <laughs> and... <laughs> yeah, I wanted to win a Rose Bowl. That was I wanted to play and win a Rose Bowl. 
And let's and I didn't right really, yeah. I didn't feel it up north in Palo Alto. Okay, now let's get right to the Rose Bowl. You go to USC, you're a Trojan. Again, as you start, this is like unheard of to stop these two power schools. All your hard work is paying off, obviously. You win a Rose Bowl as a freshman. You're king of the world, obviously killing it on campus. Now, are drugs and alcohol, is it still recreationally for you, or is it becoming more of an issue that you even, did you even recognize it was becoming an issue, or it wasn't yet? I would say, but I don't think it was at that that point in mm-hmm. my college career. I don't think so. Now, Todd, your sophomore year, again, now you're the, you're the man. You're, you're, you won a Rose Bowl as a freshman. You know, that's your goal. The reason people go to USC before the BCS and everything was to win a Rose Bowl. You did it as a freshman. All your goals you're hitting now. Sophomore season, you start beefing and fighting basically with Larry Smith. What was the issue with the coach? Well, that, it wasn't good, let me tell you. I was um, – <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> nothing nice. And it just was a, um, it was a sorry situation for you know for a while because the last thing I really wanted to do was leave USC as a sophomore, and it got to the point where I felt like that was my only option. And so it's too bad the way it worked out because I I would have wanted to stay. Well, I was actually going to ask you that a few more questions. Now you were sophomore year, if I'm I think I'm correct, hopefully you were arrested for cocaine. Or was that a sophomore year, correct? Yes. Now, is that the first time that the public really – forget about your inner circle who hung out with you, did whatever. Is that the first time the public saw that the great quarterback now was, was basically human? Was it a weight off your shoulder that you were finally arrested or you were just – were you freaking out this morning? <laughs> weight off my shoulder. You know, when I saw the headlines uh, in the Orange County Register uh, above, it was right there with, I think, U.S. goes to war, and it wasn't good now, is at that all. Basically, I'm listening. I'm listening. Go ahead. Now, now, because that's what it is. Now you're like you're the one of the best players in the country, the most recognizable quarterback, and you're arrested now for drugs. Now, basically, this was right. it. Now you you kind of had to leave USC at this point, right? It, it, well. <laughs> It wasn't uh, it wasn't pretty going turning that way. That wasn't really even an option after I, the arrest. It was like it's all or nothing right right now. I just have to all my eggs are in one basket. I'm gonna train here for the next three months and be as fit as possible and have a great workout and see what happens. And somebody will take a okay. chance. That's what my dad kept saying. Somebody will take a chance on you. So so let's recap. He was right. Bob Maranovich, yeah. Okay, Tom Aronovich, you've been groomed now to be this great quarterback, and and wow, it's happening. You're at USC, dominating, time for the NFL, but the NFL, like, the public doesn't see that you're fighting the demons yet of the drug and alcohol. People need to understand this, that going into the NFL draft, you were ranked higher than Brett Favre. Like, you read articles about it, and you were ranked higher than Brett Favre. Well, we were the only guys that really came out that year. Um, <laughs> is that the only reason you ranked higher than him? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't pay any attention really to it because he was, came out of a, yeah, me, a small school in Mississippi. I had never heard of him. Let me ask you this: 
after seeing your story, and I find you beyond compelling, I'm going to do a comparison. I don't know if you ever heard it or if you can even relate to it. Would you compare any of your upbringing to Tiger Woods? Just the fact that sports was so much a focus in the public spotlight. Forget about just being a great athlete. And then basically, as you grow up, everything you do is in the public spotlight. Still now, if you do something, it's in, it's in the paper. Do you feel that you were in like maybe yeah. a bubble like Tiger Woods was? I can't say what his bubble is like, but I, you could say there's the similarities, uh, most definitely. It's uh, you know just something that you have to adapt to, and if that's the career you choose, that's part of the deal. Al Davis takes a chance on you, and you get drafted by the Oakland Raiders. It was the first round. Didn't you get drafted in the first round? Yes. You're an Oakland Raider now. Overall. So, nice. So, so now. All your dreams since you were six, now they came true. So now you're a member of the Oakland Raiders. I read Neil Armstrong's book, and he, told, and he said that when he walked on the moon, everything after that was kind of like a little depressing because he reached his goal. Was making the NFL your goal, or was it to be something great? Like when you got drafted, you starting out for the Raiders. Did you kind of just reach your goal and you kind of, that's it? Mm. Well, I didn't set any after that goal, and that was my lifelong goal: was to play, uh, you know, quarterback and you know, play with the best guys. And that was it. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty much, I wanted to play with the best guys, no matter where they were. Um, and it just so happens it's the NFL where they're playing. So once I had made it, I didn't reset any goals. And after I knew I could play at that level, I was done. I didn't really have the desire to to win a Super Bowl like I did when I was in college about winning a Rose Bowl. Why is that? Do you have any idea why? Uh, I haven't really broke it down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> other than right now, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I just, uh, you know, I spent a long time playing the game. It's not, people think that, you just show up, and, and there you are in the NFL. You play one day a week, and that's it, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> just that's doesn't like, happen. Like, yeah, the guy works one day a week. Come on. <laughs> and he makes too much money. No. Yeah, exactly. Now, will you? Act, I know you are, but as a as a rookie, were you actively using uh, drugs in the NFL? Oh yes. Now, what were you using? If you, if you're, op- I, hopefully you're open to talking about. What were you using as a rookie? Was it, was it light, or were you going heavy with the drugs? It depends what heavy is, but um, cocaine, ecstasy, marijuana, LSD. It's pretty heavy. All right, so you, you, you weren't playing around. Now, when did it? I know it moved up, obviously, like it always does to everyone, up to heroin. When did that happen? Yeah. While you were still in the NFL, or no? No. Wow, and so now you get released by the Raiders. And if I'm t- hopefully I'm telling your story correctly, a child prodigy growing up, never faltering, the best high school in the country you sought for. You go to USC, you win at Rose Bowl. You go to the Raiders, you get drafted. Still fighting this, the double life of an addict, which is trying to live, I guess, a quote, normal life, while like trying to hide your addiction from the world. While you were in the NFL, did, when did you realize that you had a like a serious drug problem, and it was affecting your entire life? Well, when I was having to cheat five times a week, 
because they were testing me five times a week, and my life was just completely a stress, stressful situation, let me tell you. How did you cheat it? Oh, the old um, kind of water bottle taking clean piss in. Now, you... I think your second season with the Raiders is when you failed the drug test. You couldn't cheat that one test. And basically, Al Davis, did he suspend you or did he just get rid of you? No, it was uh, really the NFL because my first year in the NFL was the year of the substance abuse policy, which came into play. And I was immediately on that list because of my arrest prior to the NFL draft. So, uh, you know, the rest of my teammates weren't being tested. It was just me and a few guys that were, um, it was like having a probation officer. Just so, right, Todd, that you, have to be, you have to be the poster boy for the substance abuse program the first year. They can't even give you a few years to have a good time, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, and then, and then the off-season, I was supposed to stick around and test, and that was just difficult for me. Now, basically, you're out of the NFL. How, do you, how does one deal, I guess, mentally with, you say, a few weeks or a few months before, you're a quarterback in the NFL. There's, you say, 28 to 32 starting NFL quarterbacks, and now basically you're out of a job being labeled as a drug addict since your whole life's been in public. How do you even cope with that anyway? How can one cope with that any sense of the way? You had no one, who do you even reach out to at that point? Well, I did feel like a big uh, weight was lifted when I got the call that the Raiders let me go, that's for sure. I know. Uh, you said that was, that, that was a relief, Todd? Yeah, it was, um, you know, it was almost, to be honest, as as, um, as thrilling almost as when I got drafted. Wow. That's how you know it yeah. completely took over your life. Wow. Now, Todd. Yeah, it was, it was over. Yeah, I forgot, where, I forgot where I saw or read this, but, and I might be off for a couple of years. Now, you're out of the, what were you doing when you were out of the NFL? Were you just living on the streets? So how long were you out of the NFL before you went to the Canadian or Arena Football League? I was out in 93 for a year, and the following year, I went up to Canada, and I blew up my knee the first day in practice with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Wow. That's, you, you have some luck, Todd, by the way. I'm just letting you know that. <laughs> <laughs> no, when you, you know, when you see all the things happen, I have really good luck, bro. <laughs> now, <laughs> what do you do? After that, like, what does one do for, I'm serious, a job? I know you're actively using drugs now, but what are you doing for a job, for an income, or you just, has drugs just taken over at this point in your life? Um, and what years are we talking? After the right, U.S., I mean, yeah, after Canadian League? Canadian League, you blow your knee out. What's your next step? Start a band. You're living the dream, man, and a football player and a band. Come on, man. Yeah. I had to do it. Todd, I forgot what, I don't know if I read this or saw this somewhere, but, and is it true that your heroin addiction got so bad that you actually, did you play in the arena league basically just to fund your heroin use or was that exaggeration? Well, that's what it became. You know, it didn't, like you said, it just doesn't always start out as that's where the check's going, but that's eventually 
like I was, was just kind of playing around with it. And it just, you can only play around so long before that beast <laughs> just got you. And so then, yeah, I'm playing to keep the habit going. I'm a, I'm fascinated by the sport. I'm a huge sports fan, and I'm fascinated with people like you, with Chris Heron, Chris Mullen. I actually met Chris Mullen today, and we talked about this, how you're so talented that Chris Mullen and Chris Heron both dealt with addiction, and as you did, you're actively using, Chris Heron was using heroin, you were using heroin, Mullen was an extreme alcoholic, and yet you still played, and people didn't even realize that you were high or hungover withdrawing and you're still dropping 30 points throwing five touchdowns that just fascinates me and looking back now you probably get sick of hearing it but like the worst thing when people oh what wasted talent does that bother you when you hear that I don't know if they're talking to me about that I did if they were talking to me directly I would not agree I I hope not now why, why wouldn't you say that why would I say that I didn't agree yeah, like you said, because when people said, oh, Todd's wasted talent, but you're saying it's not because you reached your goals of the NFL. I think I reached the goal of it's not wasted if you're talking about it and talking about things that were done on the field um, that you might have saw not even live on replay in some way. And that's, I mean, really, sports is entertainment. and. Mm-hmm. Some of the games I played in were quite entertaining, and that's why I enjoyed it. Now, what was on your? Now let's go to your recovery. What was your rock bottom moment when you knew, like, man, I I need help. I gotta I gotta get these demons out of me. What was your rock bottom moment? Well, you know, looking back on it, it was probably my mom and just uh, complete. Well, it was her changing the locks on the on the house. It's mm-hmm. been the same forever, and that was that was eye opening. And you know, it, it it's really unfortunate because I have uh, some really good people around me. Uh, you can't do this uh, recovery thing alone. And you basically need that support system. And now, when your mom basically threw you out. How old are you at this point? Jeez. Um, let's say mid-30s. And your mom threw you out, and you realize now, like, holy crap, I got to... She's not playing right. When my mom doesn't have my back anymore, now I need to go get help. Yeah, and the, the judge also <laughs> had something to say um, in that respect also and um, pretty much I, said I, I, I do a lot I do of time addiction. in jail yeah I, I do addiction on a personal level how many rehabs were you in and out of total quite a few more <laughs> than six you know it's um, it's not funny but you can laugh about it because that's the only way you can get the right thing when my mom and I, cause she's listening now, and I know she's laughing because our whole thing was, I deal with it in my family, I'm like, throw the addict out, lock the doors. And it's funny, we laughed because after the first rehab, we weren't educated about it. We thought, oh, the first rehab's over? Okay, he's clean now. And then all of a sudden, right. they just thought, 
and that's what we thought. Oh, he did 28 days off. We got that little drug addiction thing over, and now then it hits you like, whoa, this is a world we're not even – we can't even scrape the surface of what you guys deal with. And that's why I was – of course I want to interview you, quarterbacks, Sports Illustrated, but the fact that you suffered through the relapses and the recovery and you're doing it now – it's why I found you so intriguing. Now, how long right now are you sober? Well, I got up at 6, so almost 13 hours. <laughs> and it's all about when I got up because it's, it's truly all about today. Because, you know, for, for, for me, when I start thinking about what's going to happen and Come, what's coming down this year? I start tripping. So it's important that I stay in the now and not even go back to yesteryear because that brings all kinds of stuff. You know, talking about old SC days, I start, I start thinking, yeah, that sounds pretty good. But no, no. Well, you know, I never, um, I go, I attend all family meetings. I never heard that. I'm sober for today. I never really heard that. It's a great line. Now. What question do you get asked the most? Someone obviously you recognized after the ESPN documentary, you're, you're kind of a hot-button issue, always on Twitter. What question are you asked the most? <laughs> Over the years or just as of this documentary? Right now. Someone's going to show up to you, say, oh, that, you know who that is? Wow. What's the first question they ask you? Uh... Are you the first or are you that you know that that quarterback? And <laughs> because yeah, in Southern California, I do you know people do recognize me, but it's it's nationwide um, because of the ESPN deal, and I'm stoked on it. But it's it's always it's kind of uncomfortable at first, but people are you know genuinely stoked to uh, to say whatever, say hi, and that they like the film. That, yeah, the film was beyond power, powerful. Now, like I said, your father had a very um, – it's been criticized, scrutinized, and it's been praised how you were brought up, his training methods. How is your relationship with your father right now? It's it's awesome. It's it's one that is um, developed like any relationship does, and it's just gotten stronger, and we're super close. Now – what is your, this is going to sound silly, I know you're a father, what is your main reason for staying sober all the time now? Because I know every day is literally a struggle. What is your main reason? What sh- makes you strive to stay sober? You know, I can say that it's, and it is, it, a lot has to do with my my two kids, but it's it's really, and, and my art. But, uh, you know, and, and and like I said, my you know my recovery is my recovery, and it's not perfect. The one thing that you know for me is if uh, I do stumble, I'm I'm going to get back up, and I'm going to try again. And that's all you can ask of yourself. Now I appreciate you giving me some minutes on a Friday night. I have a couple more questions for you. You played football all over. Do you keep? And I'm always curious that these. I ask every athlete, celebrity, whoever I interview, the same last few questions. Do you keep or save any memorabilia? And if so, what is your favorite piece? Oh, 
Yeah, I got two pictures that I I like. Or is that memorabilia? Yeah. Yeah, Um, And my Raider jersey. Oh, you still have your Raiders jersey? Yes. Now, his, I, this is my favorite question, and, you know, I travel all the time, and I meet a lot of people who I've interviewed. I keep in touch with all of them. If I, I just actually got back from Kentucky. I met a few of the players from down there, and they always say they love this question the most. Right now, I meet you out. We're hanging out. You want to impress me. You take out your phone. Who's the coolest person in your phone right now to impress? You're at a party. You want to impress the people there. Besides putting on your, your own show on ESPN, besides that, if you're pulling out your phone, who do you impress me with right now? By who's in your phone? Jeez, to impress you? I don't know, bro. <laughs> um, uh, how about Troy Palomalu? That's a, a great one. How do you know him? Just from around the league? US, USC. The USC that's connection not, there. That's a great one. That's not just a so. That's a great one. Now you have a son. Is your son allowed to play football? He is, uh, at this point, uh, the answer would be no. Um, there's okay. other sports that I think uh, are uh, will do the trick because it's, it's really – I'm all for team sports. I, I didn't mm-hmm. enjoy track a whole lot, but it's it's important. You, you learn so much about life through the team, and it can be a great experience. And so I'm sure he's going to have one through another sport, just not football. Do you watch football now, or you have no interest in it at all? I really don't. I don't watch it. I uh, I might go to a, a USC game a year or two. Okay, that's about that's about the the gist of it. I just don't I have find the that so fascinating. Yeah, I find that fascinating. I find so many athletes. Emmett Smith is famous for it. Lawrence Taylor. These they said we played it. We don't we don't watch. I find it fascinating that former athletes just don't watch their sport. Are you into any sports at all? Oh yeah, I'll you know I'll watch uh, March Madness for sure. Um, okay. And you know what? I'll get caught up in a in a, a tight you know football game or basketball game and watch it like a fan, and I'll get sucked in because I like I said I love sports, I love shooting hoops, and you spoke of Chris Mullen, what a shooter, man! Oh, I love him. He was incredible. Just so you know what's funny? I met him and uh, JJ Redick today, both two shooters. Oh man. I love yeah, Mullen was, it. Was, it was my yeah, first I love. love. Oh, is it really? Are you any good? Well, I I can shoot. That's about the the length of it. Okay, a couple more things. Can How shoot. can people buy your paintings? Because I saw them. They were actually really, really cool kick-ass paintings. I saw. I think you did one of Eli Manning. Did you do one of Eli Manning? I think I saw on your site. I have. I have done one of Eli. Yeah. I do so some just quarterback. About how I mean, it. I do. What's that? Tell everyone how they can get your uh, your paintings. They're really really awesome. Just go on go on to the site and it's www.toddmurdovich.com and just browse uh, the different paintings and click and buy. <laughs> <laughs> buy buy buy. Now listen, last question I have: What does forty five year old Todd Murdovich say to sixteen year old Todd Murdovich? You can go back in time, little sixteen year old kid. Oh, put maybe your seatbelt on. Get ready for a ride. <laughs> You're gonna be on a hell of a roller coaster, kid. Yeah, it's feast or listen, famine. Todd. Yeah, listen, Todd. I had an awesome time interviewing you. Thank you for coming on. Uh, good luck with sobriety. I have your number. I'll keep in touch. I'm gonna send you out either one of your Sports Illustrated. I've collected them throughout the years. I'm gonna buy uh, 
USC jersey. I'm going to send it out to you and you sign it for me. All right, brother? I will. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Listen, good luck with everything, right, brother? Thank you. Peace. Peace out. The great Todd Morovich, his ESPN documentary, you have to watch it, uh, 30 for 30. It's on Netflix. It's on YouTube. I think it's the third or fourth highest watched and rated one ever. And I don't know if, the, if it portrayed this way in the interview, but since he was in sixth grade, he was the guy. Like now ESPN, all these channels have 24 hours of this sixth grade is the best, this seventh grade did this. He was the guy ranked ahead against Brett Favre, and he's known for being extremely modest. He was ranked higher than Brett Favre coming out of high school and college. He went to USC, and it's unheard of for a freshman to start there and then to win the Rose Bowl there. And then he goes, while he admitted actively using heavy drugs, and he gets drafted by the Raiders. Just fascinating. But thank you, everybody, for spending a Friday night with me. And next week, I think Wednesday night, I will be interviewing Pete Rose. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a good night.